Hey, crazy world we live in, yeah? Um, the crazy, the crazier thing I think about this is not that these things are happening, um, but that all of these things happen within 2020, and we're only about uh, a month in to 2020, right? So it's crazy, right? We live in a very, very crazy world, and a lot of us, we're living in uh, a lot of fear, right? Especially if you guys are watching the news. I mean, and these are just some of the things that are going on, right? The more things you look at, the more news you look at, right? The more we're exposed, we see, man, this is a crazy world that we're living in. As you guys know, we're on um, our Enneagram series. An Enneagram series basically tells you not just your personality, but what's really going on inside someone's mind, right? I mean, you guys have experience, like if you guys talk to uh, somebody before, whether it was a good experience or a bad experience, but most of the time negative experience, we look at somebody and we go, what are they thinking about? Like, why would they act the way they do, right? I'm sure you guys have done that before, right? I'm sure you looked at your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister or even your coworkers, and you look at them, and it could have been positive, but most of the time negative, and we go, what, what's, what's inside their mind? Like, why would you say that? Or why would you act like that? And Enneagram really shows us what's really going on inside of us. Today, the reason why I showed you that video is because that video really shows you what goes inside a six's mind. Most of you guys, you guys look at that and you go, whoa, this is scary. But most of you guys, by the time you are eating, you're going to forget a lot of these things. But most sixes that we're going to come across, I mean, they're not thinking about these events per se, but the anxiety and the thoughts in their mind, fear, it pervades their mind quite a bit. So today we're going to go over Enneagram number six, okay? And they are called loyalists, okay? Uh, they're called a lot of different things, but let's go over the characteristics of a loyalist. What do sixes look like in our lives, okay? Let's look at the first one. Uh, they're called scenario thinker. Now, if you guys remember from Enneagram number five, Fives are also thinkers as well. But five and sixes, they think about different things. For fives, they think about knowledge. They think about information. Why? Because for fives, that's what makes them feel secure. But sixes, they think about things differently. What they think about is all types of scenarios. Okay? So let's say they're thinking about an event that will happen, like Valentine's Banquet. They're thinking about all the different scenarios. That can happen. But most of the time, they're thinking about the worst case scenario. Um, how many of you guys know uh, this book? Any of you guys? Okay. It's called Ultimate Worst Case Scenario Survival Book. Okay, Survival Handbook. It came out in 1999. Do you guys know how many copies in that sold? Right. People come out and you see that and you're like, who would buy something like this? 10 million people. Okay, 10 million copies 
has already been sold. Okay. And now, <laughs> I looked at, it's, you don't even have to, like, read the book. You just have to read, like, uh, what's, like, the chapters, and it's hilarious. Okay, here is some of it. Okay. How to escape swarm of pigeons. Just run away. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Reach, how to retrieve an object near an alligator. Okay, don't retrieve it. Just run away. Okay, next one. How to treat gym addiction. How to survive being trapped in a sewer. And of course, how to survive an alien abduction. Of course. Okay. Now, again, you're looking at this, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, but this is what a lot of sixes are thinking about. Okay. Uh, for them, they're like, no, of course, these are things that we need to think about. But for the sixes, they want to know every single scenario. And a lot of time, it's worst case scenario. And so sixes, a lot of times, they seem very indecisive. Not necessarily because they cannot make a choice, but because they're thinking about all the different scenarios that there is. Now, nines are also indecisive, but their reasons of being indecisive is different. Right? And that's why, again, Enneagram is so interesting. Because just by looking at the outside, you just go, oh, they're just an indecisive person. Right? But Enneagram shows you what's really deep down inside and why you behave the way you do. Again, the sixes, they're indecisive a lot of times because they want more information. They want to know all the different scenarios. Next, they're also called planner. Okay, why? Because they really enjoy being, knowing exactly what's going to happen. Now, ones, if some of you guys are ones, you guys are like, oh, me too. Okay? But you, the reasons are different. For ones, the reason why ones have to be organized, have to, things have to be structured, is because for you guys, you don't like making mistakes. You don't want someone to come out and say, you made a mistake here. That's what they're fearful of. But for the six, they're not fearful of that. For six, the reason why they need to be organized, structured, is because they feel more certain. They feel like they have the situation or scenario under control. Okay, they know what to expect. So they like pattern. They like things that you can predict. They don't like surprises too much. So they're also called planners. Third, they're also called loyalists. Okay. The reason why they are called loyalists is because they have, okay, this is going to be a little ironic, or it's going to be a little, um, it's going to be like two different thoughts, but think of them like this, okay? Loyalists, because they think the worst case scenario, they think about that within your relationship as well. So sixes, for the most part, they have a really, really difficult time trusting you. Okay? Most sixes, they don't make friends very easily. Why? Again, because they're thinking worst case scenario. Okay? What if I share this with somebody, but they leave me? Okay? What if this, you see, they're scenario thinking over and over and over again. Oh, this person said this to me. <gasps> Maybe this person means this. Okay? They just keep going over and over and over in their head. But because of that, they have this fear of people leaving them. Therefore, 
they are loyal to their friends. Does that make sense? Because they know what it feels like to feel abandoned or betrayed, they don't ever want their friends or boyfriend or wife or husband to feel that way. So because of that, when it comes to relationships, they're very serious about it. Okay? And that's why loyal, they're called, for loyalists, literally, and this could be a negative thing too. I'm going to talk about some of the negative. But for a loyalist, okay, they have a really difficult time in relationship. But once they trust you, once they're your friend, once you're married to them, okay, they will not leave you. And that's a great thing about loyalists. Because they, sexes, we need more sexes in our church. And we're so lucky because we do have a few of sexes in here. Because sexes really bring people together. For sexes, relationships are very, very important. Because for sexes, community, structure, organization, that's what brings security and certainty in a very uncertain world. But the negative thing is, loyalists, they can become clingy, as you can see. They can stay in relationships where they should actually be leaving. They're loyal, too loyal to a fault sometimes. So can we find, actually, let me, uh, I think I have a, yeah, I have a lyrics. Uh, I have lyrics, okay. If you guys remember, Sleeping at Last, uh, they're, a, they're a music group, and they, they loved Enneagram so much that they actually made a song for every single Enneagram. This is what, this is from a, this is six. I had the most vivid dream. I was floating to heaven, but I could only look down. Okay? They should be looking up into heaven, but they could only look down. Worst case scenario, right? My mind was heavy, running with worst case scenarios. Emergency exits and distant below. I'm so up in the air. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to survive? I woke up so worried that the angels let go. Does that make sense? Right? They're so worried. They're going to heaven, but they're so worried. There's so many things that's consuming them. So they're right back. Okay. Can we find someone like this within the Bible? Okay. What's the reason why they're so fear-oriented? Why is it that their lives are just worst-case scenario thinking? Okay. And what's the healing message that they need to hear? Let's go into that. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. Let me give you context before that, okay? If you guys remember, okay, or if you don't know this story, no problem, there's a guy named Moses, okay? This is during a time, uh, uh, just to let you know, uh, um, Moses is a Jew, and that time, during this time, okay, they were slaves to Egyptians. Of course, this is when Magia comes into, the, into church, right? <laughs> Our Egyptian over there. <laughs> okay, sorry, come back, come back, okay. Uh, so, as you guys know, so the Egyptians, they basically uh, forced the Jews into slavery. There's a guy named Moses that comes out. Right? And he has a really interesting background because even though he's a Jew, he was actually adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter. He was educated in the courts. Right? But one day he sees, he finds out 
that he's actually a Jew. He knows that he's a Jew. And so what happens? He grows up. He goes outside. He watches his people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, and they're going through hard labor. Let's continue. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, which is Israelite or a Jew. One of his own people, looking this way and that way, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Hey, do you guys see the story? Hey, he wants to protect. So he kills. Let's continue on. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who are you, ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. What's going on? Moses, his plan was, okay, if I kill an Egyptian, Egyptian, then all the Israelites, they're going to be on my side. But what are they doing? He goes outside the next day, and what are they doing? The Jewish people, they don't want to fight against the Egyptians. They're just fighting against each other. And he's saying, what are you guys doing? We've got to fight the, fight the Egyptians, not fight each other. But they're not willing. And he realizes, oh, no. Okay, even though I want to rescue these people, they don't want to fight against the Egyptians. So what happens? When the Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Okay, so he basically, he goes, no one's going to fight for me. I stood up, okay, trying to be loyal, trying to protect these people, but no one was with me. Okay, we don't exactly know if Moses was a six before. I don't, I don't know these things. But what we do see here is Moses, we're going to see him 40 years later, and he's totally changed. Because right here, the story we see, we see somebody who's very courageous. Someone who's willing to say, you know what? I'm going to give my social status up, okay, my social capital. Because he, he, who knows? He could have become a king of Egypt. Who knows what could have happened to him? But he says, I'm willing to give up all of these things, all the money and the prestige, and I'm willing to fight for my people. But when he stood up for people, what happens? He's totally abandoned and betrayed. And so something happens to him. Forty years later, okay, he comes across a bush. Okay? The Hebrew word, actually, it talks about how he's watching the lamb. And so it's a, it's the, ver, the Hebrew word, actually, it just means continuing on and on and on. So he wants to be a hero. Forty years later, he's just a shepherd. Just mundane every day, just watching and watching and watching. But he sees a fire, okay? And then the fire, which was God, says this to him. The Lord said, I have indeed, indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of Egyptians and bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. What is God saying? God is saying, I know what these Egyptians are going through. 
And I highlighted some of these things. Uh, this is going to be a tangent from Enneagram sermon. But I just thought it was so beautiful. Look at some of the phrases God, that God actually uses. He says, I see your situation. I know that some of you guys are going through a very difficult time. He says, I hear, not, not I just see, I actually hear you crying out. And what does he say? He says, I don't, he says, I am concerned. Right? When we're going through a difficult time, when we feel like nobody understands, this is exactly what we say to God is, you don't care. You don't love me. But we see God here saying, I hear you. Okay? I see you. And I am concerned about you. And because of that, he doesn't just stay up there. He says, I have come down here. Continuing on. So what Moses says, or God says, now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, so now he's saying, go. You wanted to save them. 40 years ago, now go and save them. And look at, look at, okay, look at Moses. Now, this is a sixth response. Okay, look at what the things he says. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? 40 years ago, he didn't say this. But now he's like, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He's scared. He says, I'm a nobody now. I had all this prestige I had power, I had influence, I thought, but now I'm just a nobody. Just worst case, case scenario thinker. He says something else. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of my fathers has sent me to you. They ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Okay. Again, he's asking questions after questions after questions now. He's saying, well, if I do go, you see, he says, suppose if... Now he's thinking, if, what, this, that situation, that situation. How about all of these different situations that's going to occur? What am I supposed to do? I want certainty. I want security. He says something else. What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me? Or say, God did not appear to you. So the conversation just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. God says, go. Who am I though? I, I'm, I'm nobody. Go. Who, who's, who's sending me? Go. I don't know what to say. He continues on. I think he says one more, right? Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Total lie. Okay, total lie. But again, he's saying all of these things because he feels like, what if I'm a fool? What if I say the wrong things? You see, you see a guy, 40 years ago, he's willing to stand up for his people. But now we see, which is a very healthy sex, and you see a very unhealthy sex, which is he's riveted, he's devastated by his fear. He can't move. All he's saying is, whoa, 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 all of these things, too much. I'm just going to shepherd. What's the wounding message of a six? Okay, why is it that the six, they have beautiful traits, 
where they show loyalty in these things, and yet they have so much fear and angst. This is what they believe. This world is a dangerous place. Again, for Moses, it makes sense. All of us, it makes sense to be in fear. Why? We live in a really dangerous world. Okay, the news montage I showed you, why wouldn't we be in fear? We, we definitely do live in a dangerous world. But this is what they really, really believe, the sex. You cannot trust yourself nor anyone else. Now, again, some of us, to some degree, we can relate to this. But the sexes, they operate on this. Okay? Their whole life revolves around this lie. I cannot trust myself. I cannot trust anyone else. Let me show you how the process works. So they say, I cannot trust anyone or anything. Therefore, I must always think of the worst case scenario. Okay? Because of that, they become planners. Because I got to plan every single situation. I got to be in control. I got to know what's going on. So why? So that I feel more secure. In relationships, they can become clingy. And yet, at the same time, uh, there, there's a Korean word which is called miltang, right? Which is basically push and pull. That's what they do, right? Because why? They get so scared of relationship. When somebody's too close, they go, what if they leave me? And so they distance themselves a little bit. But when they distance themselves a little bit, what do they do? They go, oh, shoot. I got to get them back because they're going to leave me. Okay? Again, this is, this is what a lot of sexes go through. And because of that, negative traits are they become very anxious, they become controlling, and they can become very clingy as well. Okay, so again, these are some of the things that we see within the six. Again, some of you, if you, even if you don't know your Enneagram, or even if you're a different Enneagram, you guys can understand this to a certain degree. The healing message. Okay, if you're a six in here, I have a very, very simple uh, suggestion for you, which is read Exodus 3 and 4. Okay? I'm just going to go over little parts of it. But I believe, really, Exodus 3 and 4 gives you everything you need to really be able to stay afloat okay, in this dangerous world that we're living in. Okay? But I'm going to give you a couple of examples. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go? To the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And the answer is always God. Okay? In the end, the short answer is God. God always responds back. And this is what God says I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. The thing with sixes, or for us, when we are in fear, is we're looking either at ourselves or our situation. The problem is, is that when we see ourselves, a lot of times we see the inconsistency of ourselves. And that's why the most frustrated, if you really know yourself, you're probably most frustrated at yourself, right? Because you, 
There's things that we want to do, right? We want to lose weight. Still can't. You want to get rid of some of your anger issues. You still can't. You know why? Because you have a hard time controlling yourself. Why? Because you don't even have control over yourself. You see yourself always being inconsistent. You look at scenarios. Okay? You look at the world. You watch the news. Do you feel safe? Absolutely not. You look at your friends. You look at even your family. Okay? They fail you. They do things that are harmful to you. So again, we look at other people. We look at ourselves. We look at scenarios. Of course, we're going to be in fear. Because why? All of these things are always shaking. They're always shaking. Imagine you're twirling. You know, one of, you know people who are twirling stuff on a stick, on, on, a, uh, on a plate? That's, that's our lives. Always just shaking and shaking and shaking. You got to keep shaking it. Again, that's what part of our lives look like. But what is God saying? God is saying, Moses, it's not about you. Okay, it was never about you. Okay, the reason why I brought you to this place is because you thought 40 years ago it was all about you. Okay. A lot of problems, Christians, now I'm specifically talking to Christians, is we bring too much of ourselves into it. And that's why God cannot work within us. Because we say, God, I have all of this stuff. And God is just saying, I don't need all your stuff. Okay? The problem is you bring too much of your stuff. Let go of your stuff. Then I could actually work through you. See? This is exactly, a lot of times we don't feel like this, but this is exactly when God comes out. His perfect timing. He says, when you are not holding on to anything, that's when I can come and save you. Okay? So this is what he's saying. Okay? We are all in fear. And he says, if you look within yourself, all you're going to see is fear. If you look at the world, all you're going to see is fear. So look to God. I it's about me, okay? It's not about you. I'll give you one more example. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent you. They ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Okay, what do I say if people ask me who you are? And this is so beautiful if you understand this. And this is kind of confusing in the beginning, but God says, I am who I am. Okay, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, there's many different theological things. I mean, just the translation itself, a lot of scholars debate over what does this really, really mean. But if you look at the context in itself, okay, let me see. Did I have one more verse? Okay, I do. Okay, he continues on. He says this. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. What is he saying? He's saying, there is never a time where I haven't existed. There will never be a time where I will never exist. Okay, what is he saying? He's saying, nothing in this world is certain. Everything changes. But I am the only thing, I am the only person, I'm the only being that is not dependent on anything else. I just am. 
I was in the past, I will be in the present, and I will be in the future. Once again, this is, this brings, if you truly understand this, this brings tremendous amount of peace in your life. Okay? Why? Because, again, if you're looking at circumstances for your security, they're always changing. If you're saying to your loved one and you say, I have to have this person, or I need to have the affection of this, this person, my wife, my kids, or my life will totally be shaken off, it's going to devastate you. That's why God is saying, you have to place your certainty on my name. Because I am the only thing that will never change. Before I go to uh, the ultimate uh, healing message, let me give you a, I'll give you a story and I'll give you a personal story as well. A couple of months ago, I believe, uh, we were doing, we were still doing the enneagram, and one girl came up to me, she was a six, okay, and she basically says, explain this to me, okay, I think, I, I think this is me, I explained everything, and she said, this is totally me, and so she said, what do I need to do, okay, so I, I gave them basically this kind of answer, okay, there's no security outside of yourself, I, right, there's no security within you, with your friend, with only God. And she said, oh, well, okay, I understand that, but, you know, that's cool, but I'm not really a religious person. You know, I don't really pray that much. You know, I just come here because of my mom. Like, can you give me, like, can you try to think of, like, something, you know, like, without the religious, without, like, God and stuff like that? And I really tried hard. I really did. Okay? Like, other Enneagrams, I feel like you could kind of, like, use your, you know, just, like, trust yourself, like believe in yourself and these kind of things. But for sixes, I could not think of anything. Because their whole, okay, their whole life is based on this world is uncertain. I am uncertain. People I live with are uncertain. Okay? I need certainty. That's basically what sixes need. What, what do I tell them? There's nothing, the only thing I'm certain about in this world is that nothing is certain, right? Is there anything certain? No, nothing is certain. Personal story. Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, uh, Grace got a phone call from the doctor. There's a chance that the kid, our baby, has Down syndrome. Okay? Very small chance, very, very small chance. But that gives you Pure anxiety. Pure anxiety. Okay, for me as a three, I act really cool. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. But pure anxiety, right? Your kid might have Down syndrome. But I was thinking, after thinking about a lot of these different things, and me and Grace, we actually like watched like different videos on Down syndrome. What does it mean? But one of the things I started think, to think about was, what assurance is there, okay, even if my kid doesn't have Down syndrome, okay, let's say my kid doesn't have Down syndrome, then does that mean all of a sudden that my kid is going to be happy? 
do I have any assurance that he's going to be totally fine if he doesn't have Down syndrome anymore? No. Okay, do I have certainty that when he comes out or when she comes out, that he's not going to or she's not going to have any breakups or any betrayal or any hurts? Or that he's going to fail or she's going to fail? That he or she's going to get hurt? Do I have any assurance of that? Absolutely not. Again, you guys might be thinking, oh, negative guy, pessimistic. But this is the world we live in. Again, you guys can all say, nope, everything positive, positive. I'm just going to put my head in a hole. But again, this is the world that we're living in. Nothing is certain. And so in some ways, sixes understand this better than all of us do. That this is the world dangerous place and that nothing is for certain. But you see, this is why this is so beautiful. Because even though we live in a very uncertain world, God doesn't just say, you guys messed up. You guys figure this out. But he actually sees the anxiety that we go through. Okay, the uncertainty that we face every single day. And he says, I am concerned. He doesn't just say, you guys deal with it. You guys just pray it out. No, he says, I am concerned. And he actually came down. You see, we look at Jesus and we go, oh, man. Whenever you think of Jesus, he was so controlled and everything was going fine. Yeah, absolutely true. It seemed like nothing, was rattle, nothing would rattle him. But what happens? Okay, end of his life. He's totally rattled. He's saying to his, his friends, pray with me because I am so scared. Pray with me that I don't fall into temptation. What I'm trying to say is, Jesus has gone through the ultimate ultimate angst, ultimate anxiety, so that we don't have to go through that. See, Jesus has gone through separation, betrayal, and separation from God forever so that we don't have to experience that. And this is what God is telling all of us, especially the sixes in this room, but for us who are in fear or anxious. He's saying, you need to trust me. You need to put your life to me. You need to base your whole life, everything on me. That's the only way that you're going to have buoyancy, right? When, even when there's a storm, you're always going to come back up. This is the healing message. Find security and certainty in God. There's nothing else. I'm sorry. I, I, I really tried. There's nothing else. You tell me. There's nothing else. Though this world is a harsh place, the story with Jesus will always end well. It always ends well. It's always going to end well. My baby might have Down syndrome. And I heard that Down syndrome, with, uh, it has a lot of, I, I didn't know, I just thought Down syndrome, they just look really cute. That's, I thought that was it. But apparently they have heart issues as well. And a lot of them, they have to go through heart surgery. 
that's the case, I leave it up to God. Okay? It's going to end well. Okay? We are letting this baby into a world where there's so much pain and suffering. I cannot control that. But if I leave my baby up to God, I know that it's going to end well. Okay? So that's what God is asking you. God is asking you in this world of uncertainty, leave your life in my hands. This is what A.W. Tozer says, and we will end with this. Everything is safe, which we commit to him. And nothing is really safe, which is not so committed. Everything we give to God, there will be certainty. All of us, whether you're six or not, we go through fear. We go through a time of anxiety. And through those times, what we need to hear is these words. God telling us, you are not in control. I am. So give your life over to me. And by doing so, you will find certainty and the security that you're truly longing for. Let's go into our uh, time of reflection and hear those words from God.